Uh-huh. Right. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Soshing with Suntwe. Um, just give us a second. We're going to do our shares as normal. If you would do the same, that would be great. Just go to the page, go to the bottom of the video, share it to your profile, share it to whoever else you think might be interested. And uh, when you uh, click on, drop us a comment, tell us where you're from. Let us see where you're engaging from. I see we've got one person picked up on the feed so far. So whoever that is, say hello while we're busy doing the shares. Just give us a minute to do that, and then we'll get right into it. So I'm busy trying to do it on my phone here, over there. Um, Get this done. Come on. We were having a few technical difficulties earlier, but uh, we seem to have figured it all out. So that's great. Um, Awesome. Share. Uh, there and there and there and there. <laughs> Great. Well, today we are joined by Sisam Tunzi. He's a pro guide from uh, Victoria Falls, Zimbabwe. Are you from Victoria Falls or are you from Bulawayo? Born and bred in Bulawayo, but uh, I can pretty much say 15 plus years in Victoria Falls. I'm now a Bonafide res. <laughs> for sure. You, you spend, you've been in Vic Falls much longer than I spent in Vic Falls. I was only there yeah. six years or seven years or something. Uh, I like man. So you're a proper born and bred, uh, uh, died in the wool Victoria Falls boy now. I'm now pretty much a Vic Falls resident as they came. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, so tell us a little bit about, um, about your background. You said you're born and bred in, in Bulawayo. Uh, went to school in Bulawayo? I went to, I did my primary school in Bulawayo. That's pretty much grade one to seven. Okay. Uh, yeah, pretty much Bulawayo. Then we came to Victoria Falls to do my secondary school, the high school part. And yeah, that's pretty much my early life. So whereabouts did you go to high school? I actually went to the Smoke That Thunders, Monsieur Tunya High School. Oh, <laughs> So that's yeah. like, so you, and then okay. So tell us what, what, um, what led you to guiding, and how, how you, how you got the passion for it, how you, how you sort of chose that path, um, and what you did to get there, and give us a bit of a, a breakdown on your journey. All right, so I still remember as a young boy, uh, um, and what you did to get there, and give us a bit of a. Uh, all right, guiding is pretty much something that's inborn. Uh, I mean, before guiding, I'm very much in touch with nature. I still remember as a kid who would spend the holidays in the village in Gwanda. I'm sure you'd know where I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, down in Scordini areas, I would definitely make it a point that at least once or twice a year during the school holidays, I'll go down to Gwanda. And I still remember back in those days, we would have all these wild animals, the hares and all that. I was just thrilled to see something out of the norm. We had goats, we had cows, but you know, the little uh, dikers, the little impala type of antelopes, it just fascinated me seeing the birds, the colors. There was just me and nature were like that from an early stage. Mm. Yeah. So when you left school, did you get straight into starting your apprenticeship as guiding or did you, or did you do something else first? I did three years. After school, I did three years uh, in the hotel industry. 
where okay. I trained, pretty much I was pursuing a career as a professional chef. Because, oh, you know, cool. after high school, you, you just wanted to venture into something. Tourism was kind of like something that was in my blood. But although my dad, who was a Metro D at Ilala Lodge, had said or spoken to us like career guidance. Okay, mm. young, young boys, me and my brother were pretty, our siblings, we are two years apart. He said, young, young boys, I would like you to do something else other than tourism or hospitality. Just oh, really? try something. Yeah, yeah. He wanted us to be in, a, in accounts, do something clerical or something like that. But he, you know what? So, so much for the advice that he gave me. I'm a people's person, and nature is, is, is something that I grew with. I wanted to go out there and just talk about it, share it with the people that don't, don't, don't come from close by. So, yeah, that's how I, I thought of guiding. But I trained in the kitchen pretty much three oh, right. long Victoria Falls Safari Lodge. Well, so I washed um, wash dishes. <laughs> I learned so, how to. Yeah, go ahead. So, so I mean, uh, being uh, trained in uh, some form of uh, kitchen type stuff is very good for your guiding, though. Surely that uh, that has a good transfer of skills to your guiding skill set. Very much, very much. Although I never saw it that way back in those days, I thought it was just a leverage, a, a ladder, like a step mm. going towards my dream because. It was what was available at that yeah. time. I had to do something. Yeah. So how far did you get into the, the chefing or the, the, the cooking side of things? I, I, I didn't go far as far as academic academics is concerned. I only pushed learning how to, you know, spices and preparation of food. And I still bake for my kids right now during lockdown. They've been <laughs> enjoying laughing rolls and what. And uh, in the bush, I do a lot of cooking, a lot of groups yeah. that I take out into the bush. I did a lot of overlanding back in the days. Um, mm -hmm. I would cook for them, and I'm like, okay, so this is coming in handy, but I never saw it as that at that point. I just thought, let me do this and earn a little amount, save so that I can study and do my guiding course. So it was just like a leverage to me. Yeah. <laughs> So when you did your guiding, um, did you do it completely solo? How does there's a lot of people like we've got if in the comments already. We've got um, uh, Nicola from the UK. We've got Christine from Essex. Donna Tipler, she's from Bulawayo, so she uh, she's saying hi, hi, Cesar. Nice to see you guys. That's cool. Um, hi. Quite a few people that might be international that will watch, so they won't understand or know how how the guiding um, course is set up in Zimbabwe, what you have to go through, how you get into it. Can you give them a bit of details of how you go about becoming a guide? Right. Uh, you first of all have to maybe enroll in a college and uh, learn the theory aspect of it, which is basically four subjects. Uh, that is law, these habit and habitats, which encompasses nature, animals, insects, and what and whatnot, anything that's peculiar, that's natural, that breeds life, even plants. Uh, we also have uh, Firearms Act, which basically talks about the role of firearms. Because remember, when you're guiding or you're doing hunting, we pretty much are trained the same up until when you go through apprenticeship. Uh, you then choose which uh, role you want to take. Oh, sorry, I, I, I got somebody joining me there. <laughs> I, I have a little six-month-old. She, she just wanted to feature. I said, no, just a moment. <laughs> so, yeah. You, <laughs> she wanted to say hi to everybody uh, yeah. later, later. 
<laughs> so yeah, you do the four subjects. The other one is general paper. So I said law, there is habit and habitats, which is the natural aspect. You've got firearms act. So you get to learn the laws that govern the firearms, the handling, how to own one, import, import and all that, how you bring a firearm into the country. So just a little hello, and then she'll be going. <laughs> Hi, Paul, how are you? <laughs> you, know, you know the older one. This is the new one, eh? Yes. <laughs> all right. Okay, Kylie, I'll see you. Chloe, take I've got, a, I've got a photo of me holding your older girl somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. I remember she talks a lot. When she sees Bear grills, she says, you guys look alike. Sorry, I didn't say that. She says, <laughs> I watch a lot of Bear grills. This guy looks like Paul Teasdale. He calls you name and... <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So, you do that. After you pass the theory part, you have to get attached to a, a professional guide or professional hunter. So depending mm -hmm. on which uh, part of the course you're taking, you want to be on the consumptive or photographic. So photographic being professional guiding, then mm -hmm. you get uh, acquainted to a tutor. And that tutor pretty much will teach you bushcraft. You log in hours, walking in the bush. You learn how to use your rifle, rifle handling, you know, pretty much putting in the magazine, getting the, the, the ammo out and putting it back in. Safety catch, you go out and you do uh, target shooting. And all that you're doing, you're logging it in. Mm. And you're supposed to be under apprenticeship, at least a minimum of two years going upwards. The more time you spend in the bush, it becomes a part of you. Absolutely. And thereafter, you go for your final exams where you'll be examined, you set up camp, you're put into groups and you get an examiner, you get asked questions based on your camp, you, you set up of the camp, based on your bush knowledge, your natural knowledge, everything. I mean, hence they say the Zimbabwe guiding, the Zimbabwe license of guiding is the mm. highest as far as Africa is concerned. It's not mm. easy, it's not a walk in the park. And a lot of people that even are guides today are still in the process of going towards attaining the full guide license which is not easy, but it can be a lifetime achievement. Some, it's easy like that. Maybe you're born in, in the village. You mm. only just translate everything to English and you go out there and you just do it like that. But yeah. it's all different. Where your background also comes into effect in the whole process, mm. so I would say. Yeah. Did you find you had many any barriers to entry to get into guiding or you found it was quite a smooth thing for you just putting in the work and, and able to do it or... Or was it quite tough to get a, a mentor, quite tough to get going? You know, you can never say it, it you can never say you've achieved or you've reached the end, eh? Mm. The guiding guiding is every day is a learning phase. You always have to have your receptors open to learn something new. Absolutely. You find that even, even if you go to proficiency and you are fully qualified or you're still learning, you all go out into the bush and learn about the same birds that you know. You just want to get well acquainted. There's something new. There's something interesting. So I don't think it was an, a smooth sail, and I can't say you can, there's, a, there's a destination. It's the a process. The lifelong, exactly. Yeah, it's a it's lifelong a, uh, kind a of... example uh, of that in a human <laughs> that I know is uh, one of my great mentors and, and someone that I really look up to is Dean McGregor. Mm -hmm. And 
every time I've worked with Dean on survival courses and that sort of thing, whenever he has downtime where he's not actually working, <laughs> where I might be with the clients doing something else, he, you can find him in his tent reading about grasses and seeds. <laughs> and he is constantly it never stops. That is, that is so true. Yeah, you never stop learning. You never so stop I've got a, a comment here from Nicola from UK. She said she so wants to go on a guiding survival tour as soon as lockdown lifts. Been one of those bucket list adventures, especially in your area. This is super interesting, guys. So we'll have to put her in touch with you, and uh, we'll we'll put contact details at the end. No, uh, so that uh, we can organize some 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 uh, tours for people. So. Who was who was your um, mentor in your guiding then? You know what I've been. I can say I can't mention one person, but I've been privileged to have had a lot of uh, great uh, mentors that have come into my life, some and exited as well. I've had a lot. Uh, I can mention but a few. Uh, there is one guy that still mentors me even up to this day. And I, I look up to him so much as far as guiding industry is concerned. And that's none other than Louis Mangaba. You know, what a man. He's a, I love that man. He's a great mentor. I like his approach to life. I like he's down to earth and grounded. There's a lot that you can, you know, exude out of his presence. The aura of him is just magnificent. He's and, one of those yeah, people where, where uh, positivity just flows from him, doesn't it? Exactly. You've yeah. just put it right. He's yeah, very positive. Yeah, one. I I really like him a lot. I wish I could have spent more time with him in 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 Zim when I was still there. But maybe it's you know <laughs> we're not dead yet. There's still time. <laughs> there's, there's still hope. There's still a chance, man. So currently, are you um well not currently, but in general, are you freelancing or are you attached to a specific outfit at the moment? Ah, uh, Paul. Um, you know what? I spent the better part of the last six years working for overseas adventure travel that's more adventure travel literally bleeding uh that i can say that was my life because pretty much from january to december i was engrossed i was you know out there at work six days at home and i'm back out for 21 days all the flying trips at the moment but I, i've since stopped working with overseas adventure travel and uh, i do freelance with uh in an American outfit, I'm sure some of you guys listening would know, uh, Rod Scholar, which is uh, Elder Hostel, as it, it was known back in the day. I, I freelance with those pretty much when I'm not doing my own private guided experience, uh, which with Excellence Trail Safaris, a company which uh, I started a couple of years back, I think four years to be precise. So That's if I'm not... Excellence Trail Safari. Do you have a website for Excellence Trails? Yes, we do. You do. Excellencetrails.com will take you straight through to my website. Excellencetrails.com. Okay, cool. So I've put that in the comments for anyone that's interested. There it is. Excel, ex, oh, I've spelt it wrong. Ah. Excellence Trails Safari. I spelt it wrong. Okay, for a more personalized tour. <laughs> Let me rewrite it. Excellence trails.com. That should be correct now. Just check it for me. Is that correct? 
excellencetrails.com. That's it. Right. So if anybody's interested, you can go to excellencetrails.com and that's uh, CISA's own company that he started for private bespoke guiding tours. Um, but on top of that, you've also started your own little BNB, I hear. Yeah, I'm actually, I should be opening as soon as the lockdown is finished or it's done with. Uh, the place, I've, I've been, you know, Paul, I, I didn't see any lockdown. I was working, designing, and I think I'll be unveiling it maybe in the next seven days. Oh, really? I just, yeah, so you right lockdown productively. Yeah. Come again? So you've spent the entire lockdown productively working on creating something for your business. The, the garden, everything. Uh, just a moment. I'm getting my charger on. We had no power earlier. Sort it out nicely, Chloe. For those of you who don't come from Zimbabwe, this is a common thing where electricity just switches off every now and then. And uh, you can be without electricity for 18 hours a day at some stages, and depending on what part of the country you're in. So... Um, so as uh, CISA was just saying, he's had no no electricity earlier. But uh, you, luckily, we have the power and the electricity to do this broadcast right now. And luckily, the internet's working and everything seems to be on in order. So while he's really putting his charger in, um, just wanted to say, if you're still watching, if you haven't already, please drop a comment and let us know where you're watching from so that we can see... Uh, what kind of uh, spread we've got, and uh, say hi to the others. And yeah, thank you for being here. It's uh, it's always great when we've got some viewers. And if you like what you're seeing, feel free to tag some people in the comments, bring them in to watch. If you find it interesting, share. Um, I do this once a week. So every Wednesday, same time, I do a live broadcast. And every, every Wednesday, there's a, a different guest. Although I'm quite keen to get some of the old guests back again because some of our, we didn't finish everything we wanted to cover. And um, if you know of anyone that you think would be a good guest or if you think you would be a good guest and want to come and chat to me about something, it can be any topic. It can be a general um, sort of, a general sort of uh, broad topic that we can just uh, chat around and talk around and take comments from. Then let's do it. I'm happy days. Anyway, the man is back. Where were we? I'm back. We were talking about the BNB. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I was saying that you were very productive over lockdown and um, you have been working on your on your business, really. So did you have this uh, BNB ambition for a while or is it something that you've come up with now or, or have have certain opportunities opened recently that made you go, go in this direction? Uh, Paul, you know, for the past four years, uh, since I opened Excellence Trail Safaris, mm. I've always been saying to myself, every year I need to set a goal that I can achieve. You know, I don't want to enjoy the glory of the yesteryear. Like I do so well in one year and then I'm in 2019 and I don't want to enjoy, you know, the spoils of 2018. So mm. 2020 comes, I said, what am I going to set up? I always like to set mammoth goals, something mm. that's like, big hairy audacious and uh, you know push myself a little bit over the edge because it's easy to be comfortable especially in a country like Zimbabwe you work so hard you think you've saved a little and you want to just relax and I I'm only 34 years old I want to push myself by the time I'm 40 I want to look back and say this is the foundation I've set 
And this is the tone that you guys can take over and run with. But for the meantime, until 40, I'm going to work myself out and establish the dream that I've had. Okay, going back to the uh, BNB, have I always had the goal? Uh, just a moment. Chloe. Take it. Full time businessman, full time father, full time guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. All right. So, so the, 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 the dream of the BNB came about as I was traveling in Cape Town. You know, we used to have what we call the home hosted dinners in a mm. place called Michelle's Plain in Grassy Park when I was still working for Overseas Adventure Travel. And I remember the it was the second night of our arrival. So to get to Cape Town at 9 p.m., check in and the guests would relax. And the next day we have all the tours. But that evening we're not eating dinner in the hotel. We'd go and have dinner out in the medium density. You, you could explain to the greater audience what medium density is, something between the projects and the suburbs, right? Mm -hmm. have, have I said it nicely? Yeah, I think, yeah. so not high density, not low density, but exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I, I mean, I, I saw the awe and the gra the grandeur, the, the exuberance of my clients at the experience was just amazing. And I say to myself, I'm coming from Victoria Falls, great place, lovely hotels and lodges and all. But you know what? We're lacking something. We're mm. lacking something authentic and nice that is in the township where we live. I live in the township. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have the, you know, the infrastructure to host clients to come and enjoy being in the township. So I say to myself, when I start working for myself, let me do this. This, this is something that's lacking in the industry. I don't want to compete with the great giants. How about I start and invent something on my own? So I came up with the township bed and breakfast concept. And I'm saying, this is, I, I feel and believe I'm going to host people and give them a great five-star experience in the township. So that's how it was birthed. <laughs> so is your BNB uh are you resident in the same same place or is it a separate uh facility to where you live? actually I don't I don't stay by the BNB, although the theme of the place you'd feel like I live there. I'm just uh -huh. giving you something, yeah. Because on the walls you see the pictures, you feel like them it's called Mtunzi residence. Mm -hmm. You feel like we've just let the place for you to come and enjoy and and, and, and the warmth while at least we are staying elsewhere. But the other thing is I learned the theming in the United States when I worked for Walt Disney World. I saw that a lot of their parks and everything had a theme. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how about let me theme this Mtunzi resident. Mm -hmm. Come and stay in the warmth and comfort of Mtunzi's. You know, I have my daughters and all. So it's on the wall. You feel like we are there or you've just gone on a holiday. So I themed it under my family umbrella. So, yeah. So going because you're talking about the family and uh, and your name and everything, your mm -hmm. full name is Sisa Senkosi, yeah. Yes, you said it nicely. And uh, can you tell uh, everybody what that means? Sisa Senkosi means uh, the grace of God. Beautiful name, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, my father gave it to me, and uh, obviously with my mom's assurance, and she agreed to it. <laughs> so yeah, Grace. Don't call me Grace, though. <laughs> grace is what. It, Grace of God. <laughs> cool. Okay, that's wonderful. So, so uh, your your place is in uh, in Kosana. My place is in Kosana, yeah. By, okay. by and, the, and where you live is also in um, Kosana. 
I also live in Kosana. Okay. I also live in Kosana. Yeah, the the place is in it's in a new it's a new area, mm -hmm. a stretch of Kosana, like a, an extension. Mm. It's a new area in Kosana, and then I live in the old area of Kosana. Okay, yeah. cool. So is it is it off Kaz Road then? It's uh, it's actually off Main Bulawayo Road. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, I know. I think I know exactly where the new tar road was made in um, Kosana. Exactly. That exactly. goes parallel with the Bulawayo Road. That goes parallel with the Bulawayo Road, yeah. Okay. And because um, there's also another lady who started a, a township restaurant, township-themed restaurant recently. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that in Chinotimba? Uh, that's, that's in Chinotimba. Okay. So there's definitely a, diff, uh, a great... Um, I think it's a great idea because what I've, I, I had a, I had my own small BNB, uh, Airbnb business when I was in Vic Falls mm -hmm. in very small. I had two rooms and, uh, it was really just, uh, I was living on the same property and I was, a I was a hosting guest and I was using it a lot for my own clients as well. And, um, and what I, what I, a lot of feedback that I got from a lot of the backpacking clients, because I was catering also to sort of the backpacking and not so high end market, was wow. the lack of an, of an authentic experience. Wow. And they, they even coming into, <laughs> into my home in Vic Falls, they mm -hmm. felt that it wasn't an authentic Zimbabwean experience. <laughs> okay. So I think there's a definitely a good, you know, when when people get to get to stay somewhere like uh, Nkosana, where you're really in the thick of the community, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it has a, a, a really warm sort of feel and a really um, a really nice sort of uh, authentic feel that I think you'll you'll do very well. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. I know a lot of people that are looking for that kind of thing. So if, if there's any way that I can push them towards your business, I definitely will. I mean, definitely I would appreciate that. And yeah, great sentiment that you're telling us there. Yeah. Cause it's like I jumped into the abyss with no string attached. And I'm <laughs> thinking I'm just going to delve into the sea and whatever happens out there, I'll take the risk. So I'm actually quite uh, chuffed to see, to hear that your clients were looking for something authentic and yeah quite 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 uh, chaffing so a couple of uh, comments that have been dropped uh togoloshi zim <laughs> says what's up gents for those who don't know what a togoloshi is it's a it's like a, a traditional <laughs> african goblin so it's like a, <laughs> a little goblin thing that uh that some people are quite scared of um, Valtikali says, so if one was to go to college, what course would one apply for? I think this is if you wanted to do guiding. Uh, I think with guiding, I would advise you, I mean, now that, because I, I went through the vocational training right locally with a private tutor and all, I would advise you to go to the National Park uh, School in Mushandike and get the thick and thin of and the gist of it and learn environmental management studies, learn guiding as well. I think every experience you gain from the National Park tutors is for your own benefit or advantage. Because you never know, you might end up in a, in a wildlife park and you need such experiences to run. I was in the US and it was a safari park, kind of a theme park, but there was wild animals, you know. It had you learned and trained in 
wildlife management, it would have come handy. Mm. So you, you can have plenty of options. Besides just being in Africa, there's a lot out there that, that you can do uh, with wildlife management skills. So go straight to National Park Mushandike uh, College in uh, Maswingo and learn through, I mean, the thick and thin of, of, of wildlife management. That's what I would say. Great. Um, so interesting that you worked for Disneyland or Walt Disney uh, Company. Um, yes, yes. I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about that and what it was like because legend has it and rumor has it that, that Disney employees are some of the most harshly treated employees on the planet. Oh, my God. <laughs> harshly. <laughs> Apparently, you get work to the bone for very little pay and uh, very little... Um, <laughs> They're quite tough when you're at Disneyland. I don't know. That's just what I heard. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, quite interesting that people would say that. But, you know, there's one thing that I would say what a Disney, working for Disney World experience is like. I would say it's the best customer service-related kind of job training you'll ever get in the world. I'm not going to say my words or sugarcoat them. I mean it. You know, the stuff at Disney is up to perfection. You know, I've worked for Disney World. I've worked for Overseas Adventure Travel. You know, they expect excellence in, in your delivery, in what you say, in your knowledge base. So having worked for such big companies, I would say Disney World was not a mistake. And I would, I would advise other young guides out there that are still under apprenticeship, that still want to groom themselves to be better uh, guides, to go to that one-year Disney training and have you know industrial attachment with all Disney World. It's great for the reference, great international exposure. You become a better you. So yeah, in terms of money, I'm not going to comment because <laughs> uh, that's between you and the employer. You sign a contract based sure. on understanding. If you're not happy, you don't go. If you're sure. happy with what you're going to gain, but think of the long term. I didn't go for money at Walt Disney World. I wanted international training and attachment for my own growth. And growth I did because when I came back, I didn't wait in line. I was employed right at my doorstep. So, yeah, opportunities started coming left, right, and center. <laughs> the the there's common words that come out of your mouth that really resonate with me a lot and it's even in the in the title of your company uh one is mm -hmm. excellence because mm -hmm. i try to i try to commit myself to excellence wherever possible i believe perfectionism is a road to uh a road to disappointment and failure but striving for excellence mm -hmm. in everything is the road to success so there's a very big uh, difference between excellence and perfection and i exactly. think uh, I think we have the same sort of mindset when it comes to 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 always striving for excellence wherever possible. Um, and I like the fact that you've added excellence in, as a as a reminder into the name of your company. That's very cool. And the second word <laughs> that I think is very important is growth. Um, my 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 last my journey in the last year has been a lot about pushing again and growth and growth and growth. I did hit a bit of a stagnant phase between sort of 2017 and 2018. Um, where I, I hit a bit of a plateau and I wasn't growing anymore. And again, in 2019, I pushed myself back into that growth mindset and to, to push myself back out of my comfort zone. And, you know, cause, uh, 
like you said, you didn't go to Disney for, for money. You went there for growth. So you knew that you might not be getting the, the, the type of money that would be comfortable. You might not, but that was not your goal. Your goal was to go through whatever suffering and whatever hardship was necessary to create the growth that was necessary. And that from that growth, you would get fulfillment. And now you're reaping the benefits by starting your business and being successful as a guide. So all the more power to you and congratulations for that. I think I respect that a lot. I appreciate it as well. Um, a lot of people these days don't don't understand the maybe I, I don't want to generalize a lot of people do but there are some people who don't really understand the correlation between discomfort and growth and fulfillment and um, I always say because I get asked a lot are you happy and <laughs> you know that all that whole thing as long as you're happy and I, I, I think happiness is cheap and I always my my um, my retort with are you happy is, I, is like I don't care about being happy. Happiness is for kids. My goal is, uh, is fulfillment. And fulfillment comes from growth. And growth comes from suffering and discomfort. So I like to create my own suffering and discomfort to create growth, to create fulfillment. And that is greater than any happiness could ever be. In my, that's, that's how I operate. And I think, I think we're very similar in that sort of regard. I agree with that, man. I pretty much. So, yeah. Um, so i don't remember how we met <laughs> what, what what where did that happen i i know um, the first time in person we met that day when we took the photo and i was holding your daughter and that was you know what it is quite, quite quite interesting i was actually checking you out on facebook you riding on your motorbike and you were you were, you were a writer i write yeah. two poems I think for the last two years, I've really relaxed on my on my writing. You check on my website, I do a lot of blogging, but I stopped because I had to market the business and, you know, take care of the gist of, of things. Uh, my brother, Vusa, you, you should know Vusa. Uh, I'm a drone guy. And Vusa said to me, there's this guy, Paul Tisdale. You guys should be friends. I was like, why? He says, there's just so much synergy you guys you like the things that are similar he likes adventure he does drones it's <laughs> like okay paul i've seen him on facebook but who is this guy because i also saw uh, arthur evans was talking about you and raw and i was like who is paul tisden a blower oh, guy okay. is, is you know what i mean so yeah i i saw you on facebook but i didn't know you much but my brother said to me make friends with this guy there's so much similes you know between the two of you i was like okay that's how I had to reach out and yeah. <laughs> Thank you for mentioning Arthur because actually I need to I need to uh, have Arthur as a guest. Okay. Um, Arthur and I went to school together. He was my head boy. All right, in CBC. Yeah. All right, I see. Cool we've got a, we've got a comment from Donna Tiltman. She says, "Wow, what an experience working at Disney World must have been." Uh, what an experience working at Disney World must have been, and wonderful that you were able to take learned skills to help you now. Wishing you all the best, Lisa. Paul, your positivity never ceases to amaze me. So inspirational. Oh, thank you for that kindness. I promise you I'm not always positive. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has off days, and I have some big ones sometimes too. But, uh, yeah, try and keep pushing forward and uh, try not to let those those off days uh, um Get you down. Another thing on yeah. that is, uh, I read, uh, I read a. It was probably a meme somewhere, but it really struck and resonated with me. Was it says, "Did you really have a bad day, or did you have a bad ten minutes that you let ruin the whole day?" Oops. 
That's a good meme. And if you're really honest with yourself and look at it, it's probably that when you've had a bad day, it's been 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there. But then the fact that you've held on to that 10 minutes for the whole day has ruined your day. And I mean, with, with only a limited number of days in your life, what a waste of time, isn't it? What a waste of time. You know what, talking about that, let me just share a life experience that resonates with the words you just said. I remember when I came from the States in 2013, I didn't right away work for Overseas Adventure. I worked for an Overland company. Let me not let me withhold the name of the company for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all that. But I remember the guys used to comment and say the type of guests or the nationality of guests that we're having here, they are hard to please. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to them, because I came with an attitude. I said, when I came from the States, I said, I'm coming back to Africa. I'm going to give it my all. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work as if there's no tomorrow. I'm just going to be the best in what I do. And I say to these guys, because I, I wanted to have a different set of mindset. I looked at how long have you worked for the company? They've been there for 10 years. And I tried to see what they had, you know, achieved through the 10 years. Was it good or was it motivating? It wasn't. But I, then I, I noticed it was the attitude towards the work. Whether they were tired or they had to change work, you know, when you get tired of something, try something else. I say to them, I don't think these people are hard to please. I think all it takes is nobody can, would come all the way from Europe or from America to come and give you a hard time. These guys are here to have a great time. Look at yourself, introspect, and you find that there is maybe negativity that you exude out, mm. and they catch it, and they give you a hard time. I tell you, I had a ball, uh, Paul. And honestly speaking, I'm not going to, I'm not bragging. I'm telling you the truth. I bought my first house in 10 months that I started working for that company. I got raise after raise after raise because mm. the bosses were happy with the, with, with the work that I was putting out for them. The clients were writing great uh, reviews because I didn't have an attitude. I was just happy and I wanted to do what I do the best I could. So mm. and long story short, yeah, I didn't work for a year for that company. I resigned and went over to the other side. But I look back and say it was my attitude. I just said I wanted, even if somebody was not happy, I wanted to turn them around and have a good time. Last one was a guy that said he doesn't eat baked beans. I told you that I've got a kitchen background. I sort my baked beans in a certain way. I, I don't just serve them like that in the morning. I did the sister special this guy started eating beans. At the end of the trip, he says to me, you know what? I stopped eating baked beans when I was eight. If my mom hears this, <laughs> she's going to call you. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so in short, that's my little two cents on the subject. But <laughs> talking positive. about, uh, again, your progression of that promotion after promotion, um, I listened to a podcast called Impact Theory, and it's uh, by a guy called Tom Bilyeu. And he uh -huh. is a, he's a he's an entrepreneur a serial entrepreneur and he's the founder of a, a billion dollar company called uh -huh. uh, Quest Nutrition in the states, and he often gets the same question over and over again. And it's like, how do I succeed? How do I how do I get ahead? How do I get promotions? How do I do this? And his answer is the same every single time. And that answer is, be so good that they cannot ignore you. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good one. Be so good, no one will ignore you. Yeah, be so good that they cannot ignore you. And um, that's the bottom line, really. 
and if you're if you're not if they're ignoring you, it's probably because you're just not good enough yet. And the good news is, is that you can always acquire more skills and work towards what you need to do, or need or the information that you need to have to get to that point is always available. You just got to put in the effort. So, um, in the comments, we've got uh, Prince Dube. Prince, if you're still on there and still watching, I would love to have you on and uh, have a chat about your work that uh, you've done uh, and some of the work we've done together. Uh, Prince and I worked on a on a music video. I did some drone shots for him, and uh, it was a, a lot of fun. We had a really good day out, so we can chat about that at some stage. Um, Jim Wall is a previous guest. He's saying he loves that idea of looking inward before blaming others, which is uh, beautiful. Jim Wall is a... Uh, he was a guest a couple of episodes ago, I think episode five, if I'm not mistaken. And um, then uh, Blessed Marutaza, uh, he's a, a, a fellow river boy. Yeah, uh, no, Blessed. <laughs> yeah, we both, um, we both uh, kayak and uh, raft and stand up paddle. He's currently in Oregon, I think, in the States. Uh -huh. So, uh, I don't know if you finished, uh, but he was studying chemical engineering. So he went from raft guide to chemical engineer. Um, I don't know if he's still in the studies or if he's qualified now. But uh, yeah, he's come a long way as well from uh, from Vic Falls to to the big wide world. So congratulations to to Blessed as well. Maybe we should also have a chat at some stage. Right, we've got um, a little bit more time left, so. Again, I'm going to tell everybody, if you've got questions, please throw them in. If you've got anything to say, just chuck them in the comments. We'll we'll address whatever you want to talk about. Uh, you've got a great guide here who knows a lot about animals, a lot about the bush. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, if you've got any sort of questions that you want to ask in that field, go for it. Uh, you have an opportunity right now. So chuck those questions in. Um, thank you all for coming again. You know, it means a lot to me and uh, it, it makes this worth worthwhile. Although I would still do it even if you weren't there because chatting to cool people is, is a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, we do this every Wednesday, uh, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. CAT, 6 p.m. BST. If you think that a different time would suit people better, please chuck it in the comments as well. And if there's enough um, if there's enough of a vote for a different time of day, then I will consider it. But obviously, it would have to be nighttime, not daytime, because we are going to work. Um, I'm introducing a new, uh, a new little fun little section here, uh, which is a quick fire question round. And it was actually uh, uh, Graham Simmons, who was a previous guest. He was uh, he was the the first COVID case in Zimbabwe, the first official COVID case in Zimbabwe. Um, he came up with this idea of doing a quick fire round. And the idea is I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions, random questions. Some of them are funny. Some of them are stupid. And without thinking, you must just give us an answer. And then we'll discuss the answer of each one. But just off the top of your head, don't think. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So first one, what's heavier, hippo or giraffe? Hippo. <laughs> are you sure? Hippo. Okay, great. Hippo. Um, <laughs> who is your favorite conservationist? My favorite conservationist is uh, David Attenborough. Good, good answer. I like David Attenborough. Number three, uh, a night in the bush or a night in the club? Bush. 
Yeah, easy. <laughs> anytime. <laughs> Nothing against the club, but push anytime. <laughs> and what's your favorite bird? I like breasted roller. That's my that was my father's favorite bird as well. Yeah, the king roller is my favorite breast bird. It's beautiful. If anyone doesn't know what that looks like, just Google it. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, okay, number five. This is a hard one. Okay. How, <laughs> how many elephants to make a herd? How many elephants make a herd? Yeah. It depends, Paul. <laughs> I know. I know. There's a trick to that question. I can't really say. You can have a head from six elephants. Do you think three elephants can be? Yeah, I'm like, there's not really answer there. <laughs> there's not really answer there. Okay, and the last question I have from you: uh, Which side of the zebra has the most stripes? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna be foolish. The right side. <laughs> no, the answer to no, this. No, no. <laughs> huh? I know the answer. There's a real answer to this. I'll just take the right side. Man. Okay, the, the correct answer is the outside. Start, <laughs> <Sad>, man. <laughs> Not the inside. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the hot seat now. Vusa eh? <laughs> Moy yeah. uh, was saying they be clubbing in the bush. These cats. <laughs> With our own little portable speakers, you know. <laughs> Listening to the crickets. Dancing to the crickets at night. Exactly. That's my brother, Vusa. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know him very well. Nice. Um, I didn't realize you guys were brothers. Yeah, I know, I know the surnames always get people wrong. But if you've, if you've hung around us quite a while, you'll notice similarities. So people say... But I now, now I know. I can see that you look alike. I, I, I say this, Paul. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I can see. Like it's now. It's ridiculously obvious that you're brothers. Seriously? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no. I'm the one that just took the totem. Our surname is Vusa Moyo. I'm a Moyo. This is just a totem. I like it so much. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, Jim Wall says, "For many, I can actually put on the screen." For many of us folks in the USA who want to support animal and habitat conservation in Africa, it's hard to know where to start. Which organizations can we support and what can we do? That's a good question. You know, there's quite a number of good organizations to support. You know, I can think of greater depth of the bush. I can think close to Victoria Falls. I mean, Victoria Falls Wildlife Trust, uh, I, I work hand in hand with them. I do a lot of I take a lot of people, I support them uh, personally and uh, with our business. It's a great organization to support, uh, Vic Falls Wildlife Trust. They do a lot of uh, DNA sampling. They find out if the meat that the people are selling is from poached animals. They do that all out of their own pocket. So definitely, I think they're worthy cause and supporting Vic Falls Wildlife Trust is for the greater growth of the Kaza region. Kaza being the Okavango Zambezi areas, Zimbabwe, Botswana, Namibia, Zambia coming together. So that organization is doing a lot of uh, work within the region. Can you explain the Kaza region a little bit more in depth for people to understand how it works? 
Um, I'm not, when I, you see me looking away, I'm just on my other laptop. I'm putting in the Victoria okay. Wildlife Trust into the comments. So I am listening. No, no. Uh, the Casa region is pretty much, uh, some people call it the Four Corners concept, which basically encompasses four countries that merge or come together in the, what we call the Caprivi Strip area. So we've got Namibia, we've got Zambia, we've got Zimbabwe and Botswana. You find that the animals within this region or this block we intershare them. The elephants from Chobe National Park can easily come to the Zambezi side or the Zimbabwean side or the Zambian side. And if we don't work together, you might find that one country can be helping conserve the species while these others are consumers. But when we come together, work together, there is always a greater goal for even future generations. You find that the, the villages that surround the, the, the park area where these elephants go through what we call the uh, animal corridors they will not be consumed or killed or, you know, for meat or whatever. People begin to benefit from socioeconomical uh, activities like tourism. You know, people benefit from work. People can sell their wares to the tourists. We need the Casa vision to work. So Casa is, is a short uh, abbreviation for Okavango Zambezi region. So it encompasses four countries. Okay, excellent. All all thanks to the elephants without boundaries. They don't use passports. They've been meandering around. <laughs> from the last uh, census that I was privy to, that I was actually at a presentation from Vic Falls Wildlife Trust in 2018. And um, Roger mentioned that the, the population density of elephants in the, in the Kaza region was somewhere around 200,000 elephants. 200,000 elephants within, within the whole region. No, three. Three, 300,000. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's quite a number. Yeah, that's and uh, Victoria Falls population alone was 4,500, I think. You know, that, that, that goes on to, to give you a picture that within this region, we hold the largest elephant, African elephant population in the world because yeah. there's nowhere else we can find African elephants besides Africa. So we larger than Kenya. we larger than down south. So mm -hmm. within this corridor, within this block, we have the largest uh, elephant population, which means a lot, and definitely we need to protect them. Yeah, and uh, interestingly enough, one of the collared elephants, they tracked it that it had a 5,500 square kilometer range. Um, and it went from Victoria Falls through Botswana, through Namibia, back down through Botswana, back to Victoria Falls, and it would just walk in this big circle. Um, and that was its migration route, a big uh, one of the bulls that they call it. So, I mean, this thing goes from Zimbabwe to Namibia and back all the time. So de definitely uh, you see the concern that uh, imagine if, if one country, I don't want to say Namibia, but if say Namibia doesn't buy into the conservation uh, aspect, we'll definitely be protecting them and they just go over there to be slaughtered. But mm. where Namibia realizes the value of the wildlife the same as Botswana and Zimbabwe does as Zambia, we can correlate and work for a greater cause. Mm. So I'm, I'm into Kaza pretty much. So uh, Louis Barry Hugo says, Hey, Cisa, what's your most memorable encounter with an animal? <laughs> most uh, memorable encounter? I think it was in the early days in the guiding industry in Wange National Park where I had, we were, we were driving down, it's like, a little ravine so animals were kind of like above us and we're below and just one 
buffalo belted off and came towards us. You know, up to a point of like close encounter like that, we were in the vehicle. So mm -hmm. that was safe, obviously. It was but yeah, it was, it was above us. But when it got so close, it, it did a 180 degree turn. Oh, wow. And it just went away. Trust me. That was like, welcome to the safari industry, my young man. <laughs> I won't forget that. <laughs> yeah. Um, for those who don't know, buffaloes are extremely dangerous. And uh, they put the fear of God into, into most people. Especially ones who know. Um, I've never... I, oh, I had a I had an interesting buffalo encounter when I was a kid, but I I haven't had one as an adult. Um, mm -hmm. When I was uh, when I was about nine years old, I was uh, walking back from uh, from dinner with my parents, mm -hmm. and uh, I walked into the broadside of a buffalo. Man, <laughs> yeah, and it was just and great, crazy. Yeah, Grace, it was at Bumi, Saf Bumi Safari Lodge, Bumi Hills. Oh man. It was on yeah. the road. We were walking back from dinner back to the back to our rooms. And I was obviously like a nine-year-old walking ahead and but it did nothing. Well, was um was that is was that when Paul Teasdale, the raw guy, came into <laughs> being <laughs> Maybe. I'm, just, I'm just glad it didn't shit on my head. Says man, wow, that oof. okay, yeah, that's the only buffalo story I have, but uh, yeah, as an adult, mostly hippos and elephants, yeah, yeah, you, you, you're a water guy, pretty much, eh? Yeah, but uh, yeah, a couple of hippo close hippo encounters, and uh, I nearly riding my motorbike, I nearly got killed by elephants because I crashed into the herd. Your Facebook told me that, <laughs> I remember, it says, man. But I'll save that well, for, uh, for the um, yeah. uh, Louis Barry Hugo says, haha, mine was when kayaking and surprised a hippo from about five or six meters away. It's scary. Yes. Yeah. Kayak, kayaks, kayaks and hippos. Yeah. 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 Like hippos and kayaks. <laughs> yeah. Kayaks are not big enough to be around hippos. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I respect. The, the gentle hippos, I would call them gentle because I want to be friends, maintain that friendship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. We had quite a, quite a number of encounters because we used to go camp right in uh, uh, Boro. It's called Boro. So yeah. we just landed at a point and then would go, you know, uh, Mokoro, dugout canoeing right into camp. Sometimes it would take us like three and a half to four hours to get to camp. A remote part of, part of the Okavango Delta. And I remember sometime the hippos would just close the small channels and two big hippos are, are just saying, you're not going to cross here. And, you know, maybe the other crew has already gone with the stuff and they've set up camp. And I've got the clients. We just have to continue. So you okay. just had to chill there until something happens or carry the, carry the Mokoros, go around. That was the best way because they were not going to go anywhere. Yeah. It was... <laughs> yeah right well we're pushing the one hour mark so i think we're gonna call it a wrap from there uh daniel richie just says respect for hippos uh he also uh being a boatman <laughs> and uh fisherman has had uh i'm sure enough 
enough respect and enough uh, enough scary times around those things. Um, so lastly, I just want to say thank you to CISA for joining me and having this chat. It's been wonderful. And uh, thank you to all who came and watched and uh, got involved in the conversation. Like I said before, every Wednesday, same time, same place, different guest. Um, Val Chikali just threw in another one. We were on a bushwalk in Kariba and I walked too close to an elephant. Our guide cocked his rifle and got me out of there on foot. Thank goodness for the guide. So that's a <laughs> example to show you why it's necessary to have a guide in uh, in uh, the African wilderness. Someone who knows what they're doing and knows how to, to keep you safe. Um, so yes, thank you very much again. And we're going to wrap it up there. It's been wonderful. And Thank yeah, you so wishing, much. You, wishing you all the best. If you want to as well, Sisa, any of your links and stuff, if I've missed any, just chuck them into the comments on this video for everyone to see. Okay. I'll definitely do that. And thank you, everybody. Well, Have a good night. Have a good one. Thank you for coming. Cheers, cheers. Ciao, buddy.